0: Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sari. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin history, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we
1: begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin. For providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuck and the Dang Itz. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang itscom for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them
0: for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Wisconsin Drunken History. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russ Sorry. October marks the start of the fall Halloween season. And this month, we are working on some creepy tales and urban legends from around the entire state. Today's main story is regarding the legend of Whitewater, the second Salem, and the truly macabre history with the paranormal and supernatural. We have great Wisconsin music from The Cutouts the usual beer review another edition of how many local you at and also an interview with Second Salem we'll stop beating around the buoy your main story today whitewater the Second Salem
1: so there are many urban legends and stories that surround how and why whitewater became known as Second Salem unlike Salem Massachusetts there were not there were not a ton of murders or with people being hanged suspected of witchcraft, but many on and enigmatic things occurring in the Whitewater area occurred in this time period. Our first story is of the Pratt Institute, which was constructed in 1889. The Institute was known for teaching spiritualism, which in the 1800s was a common belief, and uh, for those that don't know, the definition of spiritualism is a system or belief or religious practice based on supposed communication with spirits of the dead, primarily through mediums, sitting at a table, kind of a seance type deal.
0: Right. The, the thing that you always see, the, the occult sign right in the middle, candles burning, and uh, a bunch of idiots sitting around in the circle.
1: H- yeah. The Pratt Institute gave regular lectures on psychic subjects and paranormal activities, it was said that the building contained an all-white room that the seances were conducted in. The school functioned for a total of about 40 years in Whitewater. In for- 1946, the school was moved to Milwaukee, where it still exists today, and the Whitewater building was converted into
0: a telephone office. Yeah, and the school in Milwaukee is now known as University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's they teach us some ghostly <laughs> things.
1: The second story is about the mysterious book in the special collections section in the basement of Anderson Library. The legend has it. It's been around for a long time, and anyone who is into the occult has probably heard about this urban legend, especially being in the state of Wisconsin. If you're into weird stuff, I know I'll watch a lot of weird crap. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is about it. I like the macabre and the weird, you know. Yeah,
0: definitely. Anything anything strange and paranormal uh, I think you and I both like to get our hands on and, and just do a little bit deeper dig on it.
1: Yeah, and this our state features a lot of that weird stuff. We've had a lot of interesting people. I mean, I, I don't want to name because we'll probably do episodes on them, but there's yeah. just so many. I mean, like the making the Mur- making a murderer documentary. There was Brayroll Beast, and I'm not going to go into some of the other ones. Ed Gain, I mean, yeah, yeah. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer, Dahmer. Just to name like some of the few. So the book is rumored to contain dark contents. And after reading the contents, the forces would make you commit suicide, according to the rumors. Three students and a professor read the book and committed suicide based on urban legend. One person who merely borrowed the book was get driven to madness and was sent to a mental hospital. And I I looked everywhere and I couldn't find the actual record or occurrences of these. But right,
0: and 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 that's probably the case for for you know the the different um, the different people in this uh, first story. Uh, regarding this uh, this secret book, you know, I don't know that there's necessarily a real record that says any of these people's names or or really anything about when they when they read this book or anything.
1: Yeah, and you know, due to the book's reputation, it is said to be locked and secured, and anyone who asks or attempts to obtain the book would be expelled from school. So it is rumored, however, according to the library, Anderson Library. The only locked book they have is the uh, Catholic Hymnal, which is a really old rendition Just of it.
0: because it's old.
1: Right. But it is believed that the story um, was a legend passed on by students due to the fact that up until 1989, the storage for the books were actually locked in cages because it was the only storage location the library had for the time. And you see it behind these locked prison bars. You're going to be like, what
0: is going on? Well, and, and for anybody who, who doesn't know, Uh, Books are really sensitive to all different environmental things, uh, including humidity, uh, certain temperatures, uh, lights, certain lights. Paper can be destroyed almost completely just by all of those different factors that we just named. So uh, keeping them in this one particular area, which is the only area they had on campus that met most of that criteria to keep old books uh, safe. I mean, this. It just happened to be behind some cages, so people were freaked out, and I'm sure that's where a lot of this urban legend comes from.
1: And I don't know if you had, if you know this, but uh, the term bookworm, like somebody reads books a lot, there actually is a bookworm that burrows into books. So when when like the um, the paper becomes old, it actually gets a little sweet and like flavorful for these insects. Correct. So they burrow into the uh, the binding, and you'll see these little tunnel or portholes where these worms actually dig into, and then they right. they they. they Sit in there, eat, and then they come out and actually morph into like some kind of moth type deal.
0: Yeah, into the beast of Bray Road.
1: Yeah, they morph into these beasts <laughs> and witches and whatever. If you've, if you've
0: ever seen the movie Jeepers Creepers, that's what a bookworm starts out as is uh, <laughs> um, is one of these little creatures, and then eventually it turns into the Jeepers Creepers monster. Yeah, that's that can wreck an entire city. Kind of what I
1: was thinking. There might be whole eggs coming from the books, and who knows what else? Other other cryptids, just crazy stuff. Champ. So the next story involves the three cemeteries around Whitewater, Cavalry, Oak Grove, and Hillside Cemeteries. They are rumored to have been placed in their location purposely to form a perfect isosceles triangle known as the Witch's Triangle. Isosceles triangles have a long history in the pagan, occult, and Wiccan beliefs. One particular story was that of a mysterious coffin belonging to a little girl which appeared on the campus in the 1970s during Halloween week. People believe someone had exhumed the grave and retrieved the coffin, but no one knows who or why this was done. And this actually did happen. And uh, they don't know if it was an old coffin of a little girl or somebody constructed it as a joke. Right. But it was the rumor that it came from a little girl that somebody actually exhumed.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Another story is one regarding Mary Worth, who was an axe murderess and a self-proclaimed witch. It is said that on Halloween night, you can see Mary walking around the tombstones. Um, And another legend is of the Horan family, which moved to Whitewater in 1880. And within four years, all of them were dead. The father and mother were first to go. And the majority of the inheritance was left to the youngest daughter, Agnes, who was not surprisingly the next victim. There were only two daughters left, Nellie and Annie. When Annie succumbed to the same fate as the others, suspicion grew that Nellie wasn't so innocent when a chemical analysis revealed strychnine in her system's stomach. Nellie's motive to be the sole recipient of her parents' estate was clear, and when a, a, a witness came forward to, and saw Nellie purchase the quantity of strychnine just a few days prior to Annie's death, Nellie knew the secrets of her murder scheme were unraveling. She decided it would be better to face the consequences, and she consumed the remaining poison herself. Before the final throws carried her from this world, Nellie confessed to poisoning all of her entire family, as well as other victims who remain identified to this unidentified to this day.
0: Wow, that's and and you know what? Honestly, that's that's an a really uh, a common story of inheritance. If there's right. a, a certain sum of money that's in the family, and somebody's going to uh, be the the individual who inherits all of that. Um, That's exactly what ends up happening. Fortune, unfortunately, gives way to uh, really murderous and deviant thoughts, you know? All right. And the last story
1: is the actual witching which took place in Whitewater. And, Eric, I know you had a lot of friends that went to uh, UW-Whitewater, and you've been to this this I went to
0: Whitewater, too, myself uh, for a semester. And, uh, yes, uh, all freshmen start out in this exact dormitory building.
1: So if you ever visit Sterren Park, you will see a giant water tower. And according to legend, witches would gather around the tower where rituals and summonings were taking place. To further make the legend strained, an eerie iron fence was placed around the tower. And I saw this, and I know it's not true because I've been there. They say barbed wire was around the top and the spikes were pointing inward, which is not true. It's actually just an iron gate with like a what they call fleur-de-lis on the top of it.
0: Yeah, and, and for those of you that don't know, uh, typically on like the outside of like prisons or uh, um, be penitentiaries that keep inmates uh, in, that's where you would see the type of fence that we're talking about where the the top spikes point inward towards the field and then the, the barbed wire is is hung around that. And that's to keep anybody from climbing up. And over once they get up, they would be met with you know almost a foot and a half long spike at the top, so it would come over them almost like a roof. Yeah, and so anybody who was trying that wouldn't be able to humanly get over that without cutting themselves completely to shreds. And, and basically dangling from there barbed wire is not a forgiving thing yeah
1: and i mean obviously it's a speculation we know it's not true but a lot yeah. of people claim that it was to keep the evil forces trapped within rather than keeping the trespassers out of the tower itself wow the tower site is just south of wells hall like we just talked about you know yep. it's one of the main dormitory buildings it's one of the main areas in whitewater and a lot everyone knows wells hall
0: yep yeah definitely
1: who since the late 60s after its construction has had complaints regarding poltergeist activity and hauntings well hall is also reported as having an old tunnel system used by witches to travel through the town without being spotted by civilians one story that actually supports the theory is in 1981 the alpha sigma sorority had heard loud noises that were coming from the basement during dinner hour spooked they all went down to see what was causing these loud noises and they discovered that bricks had been scattered all around the floor and an underground tunnel entrance had now been exposed, which is pretty nuts.
0: Well, I could I could tell you right now, if, if I were um, in one of these buildings in 1981 and heard all of that, you know, ruckus going on downstairs, I would have gone down and looked. And if I had seen this, uh, you know, foundational, you know, bricks and stuff being scattered all over the place, and then all of a sudden they're being... Uh, Uh, an exposed tunnel behind all of the the walls and stuff downstairs, I would have been spooked just just to, you know, uh, I would have moved out. I would have been gone.
1: And, you know, it is 1981, so the school has been around for a long time. So these probably were originally constructed as tunnels between systems in the school, not going through town, you know, transporting witches. But it also adds to the legend, you know. And one of our last and final occurrences happened in 1992, Students were walking late one night and discovered a ritual being for performed on the beach of Whitewater Lake. When questioned about the events, they said they were just watching the ritual from, you know, a woodline so they wouldn't be spotted. Right. When a large object was seen coming out of the lake.
0: Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now that uh, a lot of the the students and and people that are in Whitewater also partake in uh, the the old booze uh, factory as well. Uh, I, I don't think that it would be beyond the idea that some like a bird or a bat or something like that came out of the trees while they're sitting there looking and all of a sudden all of them were like and and it's the old fish story. It, you know, I caught this fish, it was this big. We tell that story next year and the fish is all of a sudden doubled in size. So now, like we said, since 1992, the legend has grown to be that this is a gigantic, you know, orb-like thing that came out of nowhere and, and came at them at this unusually high rate of speed. And, I mean, like I said, the, the, the story has grown. So what really is going on in Whitewater? Is it all
1: legend and lore, or is it based in reality? Let us know what you think. You know, comment, let us know, because we, we want to hear your take on it. I mean, this is a really cool thing, and not a lot of people know about it. And uh, in Whitewater today, there's a brewery with a name Second Salem, and they have some great selections of beer and pay homage to the town's weird history as well as other creepy creatures and cryptids from the area, including our hometown legend. Beast of Bray Road. And, of course, the wild man on Lagrange, which is another
0: weird story. Well, I think that is just, honestly, my neighbor Doug.
1: Yeah, it might be. And actually, it's funny. It's it's a pretty short story because there's not a lot known. But there was a man picked up. He was a wild man. He had a huge beard, like no shirt, looked rugged. And the cops actually caught the dude, right? And uh, yeah. he escaped and ran off. So it just became like kind of an urban legend too. another story it, and LaGrange is right in that area. It's kind of all there's like Elkhorn LaGrange yeah. and then you get to Whitewater after LaGrange. So we hope you inst- enjoyed our first installment of our Halloween series. I know I love looking at the stuff. I love
0: all things weird. I know I, I just really love macabre, you know, weird things. Yeah, the 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 anything paranormal, macabre, occult it definitely strikes, uh, strikes me as something that I'm, uh, I'm interested in. And I, and I definitely want to, uh, always dig a little deeper into it and, and read all of the, the firsthand accounts. It it always just really gets me in that, in that mood of, uh, of, of just excitement. I just love it. Everything about it.
1: Yeah, it's that fear and intrigue that just interests us so much. You know, it's the unknown. Like, we're just naturally curious people, you know. Right.
0: Like, most of us know and understand that uh, the Wolfman and vampires and stuff, they don't exist, but what if they did? Yeah. What if the world was, uh, you know, fell to a zombie apocalypse? You know, we know that it's not likely to happen, but we always ponder that idea that maybe it
1: could. Exactly, and uh, that's going to conclude our main story, but stay tuned. we got a lot of great
0: things coming up. All right, and we have a truly awesome band uh, based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin today. This is The Cutouts, and they they really developed their style off of their aunts, uncles, family members' uh, music stylings that uh, they listened to when they were kids, kind of heard growing up. And uh, this song in particular, uh, Zombie Howl, is uh, not only perfect for today's show, but has a really unique style to it. Yeah, I I love the
1: sound. It kind of reminds you of that, like, 60s vibe. You get a little surf rock in there, which is really neat. And uh, I know recently I've been checking out this band called Temples, and they're kind of like that same sound where they brought back that, like, vintage, like, sound to it. It's just really neat. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm absolutely a fan. Uh, This song in particular, when I first heard it, I was uh, drawn uh, and just... Really, really love that surf rock kind of style that this one brings. Their other songs don't necessarily bring that same tone, which is awesome. I love when we hear, uh, you know, sort of uh, a... A little bit of a different style from each one of their tunes and uh, like I said this is definitely one of those bands that uh, you got to go and check out their entire catalog they just recently released uh, a, another EP as well so uh, without any further ado here is uh, Zombie Howl from The Cutouts. Right, and again, that was The Cutouts with Zombie Howl. I love that song. It's perfectly fitting for this time of year. Also, we have a beer review. Woo! Yeah, baby. And this thing comes to us from Milwaukee Brewing Company.
1: So today we're drinking Hop Freak. It's Ah. a double IPA at uh 8.7% alcohol by volume. Uh this one's probably going to wreck me today, dude. This one will
0: definitely be able to take you right to the grave.
1: And actually on the can, they have like a really cool monster on it. And uh yeah, he just looks pretty mad. He looks like a dude, don't drive home today. Kind of kind of look to him. Yeah. I'm and, angry about
0: OWIs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and if you read the can, they have Herb in Legend, spelled as herbs, Herb in Legend. And this series is of the Adventure Brew series from Milwaukee Brewing Company. Um, and it's a local it's a collaboration with Milwaukee's own Rishi Tea. Yeah. And then it's also infused with a organic jasmine tea, leading to a sweet floral aroma. Strong citrus notes come from generous amount of American hops, and a uh, hop freak was born big and bigger. <laughs> big and bitter. <laughs> but a sizable malt bill adds balance to this beast. And uh, yeah, you definitely get the uh, the floral up front, which is really it is, tasty, it is. and it's
0: R- nice and florally. Uh, but you do get because it's a double IPA. Uh, this thing is it is bitter. Um, not it's not. Oh, I, I when I originally cracked cracked it, I thought, okay, this is going to be a really a big punch of dryness and bitterness, and it's not, which is refreshing because with a lot of doubles, you get just an overbearing amount of hop, which is which is great because it's in the name. You're gonna get that double IPA feel. But with this one, it doesn't absolutely crush you.
1: Yeah, the one thing that's nuts, it comes in a one pint can. And it's like yeah. it like like Eric said, it's not like overbearing, but it is a eight point seven percent. And uh, I know when I finish this, it's going to feel like I got an elbow from Macho Man from the Top
0: Ropes. Oh, yeah,
1: baby. Macho Man elbow. But again, yeah, this one is really good. I, I highly recommend it. I, I'm actually really enjoying it. It tastes great. Uh, Milwaukee Brewing Company is another huge Milwaukee brewer. It's yeah, like awesome. We,
0: like we've had before, uh, kind of just a bunch of different beers from them. Uh, all of them have that really, really well-balanced – Feel and taste to them. They're not overdone with either hoppiness or citrusy. Uh, they they really are able to pack a good punch, but yet stay well balanced uh, on the mouth fuel. A uh, few mouth fuel, <laughs> mouth fuel. Oh yeah, <laughs> this thing is definitely gonna fuel your mouth though. But with they they stay really well balanced with the mouth feel and also all of those different tastes
1: yeah and i you know milwaukee brewing company actually started off in like kind of a it was kind of a junky warehouse and uh they recently just got a new building i think in the last few years here and it's a uh, really cool i mean i hate to say this but lakefront is number one i mean that tour is hard to beat but i would have to say and don't be angry with me but milwaukee brewing company is probably the second best tour um, I really love their beers. They've been around probably not as long as Lakefront. Lakefront is probably the original Milwaukee craft beer, you know, and I've been on a lot of tours. And if if you like domestic beer, I highly recommend actually checking out the Miller tour as well, which is actually really
0: cool. Yeah, and that one is more of a, a – that one's a little bit more of a, a tour on distribution, the, the largeness, the quantity, uh, the canning and bottling operations that they house right in there. It's great to understand at a at a volume how much beer they're producing, versus in a craft beer situation, just how much effort goes into uh, making each beer special and uh, unique. So it's it's a, a totally different uh, tour, uh, you know, uh, qu- or, uh, tour uh, material, but. At the same time, you get a really, really good idea of the the volume that Miller will produce versus the the quantity or the quality, rather, of beers that Lakefront or MKE or Craft or any of the, the more local nano and micro brews that will produce.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the cool thing is I know I, I'm really into beer, so I've been to most of these tours, and out of all of them, I think I would have to say Lakefront's number one. I mean, I've been to that one. That one's just so good. They just they just do the best. But yeah. Milwaukee Brewing Company for craft beer, don't be angry. But I think it's probably the number two in Milwaukee for craft beer.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely I, I don't disagree with you. Uh, there's plenty of really really great micro and nano brews, really great IPAs, hazies, and just amazing quality beers. But MKE has been doing an amazing job uh, since kind of its inception of making beers that are drinkable at all levels.
1: Agreed. And uh, like we said, this one is called Hot Freak and it's from Milwaukee Brewing Company. Another one that's available most of the year. And uh, we highly recommend you go pick this up, try it, let us know what you think, you know, comment, whatever you want.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and then also. Be sure to check out all of their other beers uh, that that uh, are available as well. They make a whole slew of of beers that are drinkable at any level. So uh, MKE Brewing, Milwaukee Brewing Company, however you say it, they're amazing. And now we have another edition of How Many Local You At? So this is
1: another one where uh, it, it's kind of it's messed up that this occurs in our state, but. It,
0: I'm going to let Sturgeon read it, and we can kind of discuss from there. Yeah, this is sort of a disgusting figure, but a Wisconsin man is facing at least his 10th drunken driving charge. Now, the reason why it says at least is because at a certain point in time, uh, a certain past uh, uh, Wisconsin figure was that you didn't actually get an OWI. It was considered lesser charges. Uh, Some of them weren't on the record permanently, so... Uh, on his record, the actual stat is tenth. So uh, this sixty-six-year-old man uh, from Green Bay was arrested early Wednesday in Oconto County. Authorities allege he had an open beer in the center console of his car. Officials say the state patrol was helping with a traffic or was helping with traffic rather when the man parked his vehicle and approached a state trooper. The trooper saw the beer on the console. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're about to get out of your car and you're about to approach law enforcement at all, you should probably make sure that any of those open intoxicants (laughs) or anything illegal is uh, hidden uh, out from uh, plain view. So uh, anyway, the, uh, the complaint says that the driver... He did have a valid driver's license. He was charged with operating while intoxicated, and it was his 10th or more offense. Uh, The uh, the news reports say bond was set at $25,000 cash, and if convicted, the driver would face up to 15 years in prison, which in the state of Wisconsin, they don't take these higher-level offenses uh, lightly. Yeah, I mean you're gonna get some serious time behind bars. Now, whether or not you actually serve that amount of time in prison is kind of up up for debate. Yeah. Um. Really, what it comes down to is, what did his prior convictions have in them as well? Are any of them uh, serious offenses with uh, involving great bodily harm, uh, involving uh, property damage? If this is just a a a number ten. OWI with nothing and nothing in his past that that is a a real serious adder to the offense. He could probably serve uh, as many as four to five years, tops.
1: It's just it's crazy. Like he literally hit the tenth anniversary DUI, or what they call in the wedding is the ten anniversary of drinking. He literally hit his tenth. And we we don't ever name people, but this dude has like the best Charles Bronson mustache I've ever seen,
0: dude. This guy has one of the finest upper lip caterpillars I've ever seen in my life.
1: It, it's bushy, dude. It's white, man. He, like, it's lethal.
0: It is. He is definitely a lethal weapon on this thing. If you here. stare
1: at that stache along, it's gonna come out and fucking karate well, chop you, dude.
0: That, and that's probably why he felt so compelled and confident to approach law enforcement. I mean, they typically have a nice, at-the-lip cut-off mustache. And he also you know don's the exact same thing he thought you know what i'm gonna walk over here and i'm gonna tell these guys what's up with this mustache and tell them that they need to clear the cars out of the way i got drinking and driving to do <laughs> clear the barrier i gotta i gotta get through there
1: and maybe he thought it'd be a little intimidating because it is dude it's a charles Bronson dude it's a full-blown beef it's a sick stash it's not bad and uh I know I, I rock a pretty good stash. I, I don't normally do it, but like I have rocked some pretty good stashes in the past. Yeah, you I got you, a bushy upper lip. As man. our
0: as our hosts go, so between myself and you, you have the better stash. It's it's you ridiculous, could rock dude. A sick upper caterpillar if you wanted. It's
1: a Burt Reynolds or, you know, Charles Bronson look alike. It's not yes. bad. It's not a bad mustache.
0: I've got a weak upper lip game. Which is fine. My dad did too. Eventually, because his hair was darker than mine, he was able to rock a nice stash. I don't think I'll ever be able to get this level of uh, of uh, nice no. upper brusherness. No, you know? shit's
1: ferocious. And uh, but when locals go, if 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 you are getting a tenth O OWI, like you got some tolerance built in your system, you you know ten. You're drinking a lot,
0: and it doesn't say anything about his. Uh, alcohol, his blood alcohol content. Uh, it doesn't say anything about uh, struggling to walk, struggling to speak. Right. So he just it had an open sounds, intoxicant. Like, exactly. It sounds like he was uh, sup- sucking a road soda. Maybe he had one loco uh, in in the you know center console, and he was getting near the half of it, or maybe like a third of it, or uh, um, rather, um, he, he was getting down to like the three fourths level of it. So I'm thinking. Maybe he's at a three. So this is
1: an unfortunate two loco.
0: This is either a two or three loco. Man, that sucks. You know? It's
1: like you know, and it, it's too bad he has such a criminal past, you know, with drinking because, you know, a two loco. Like I've driven on a on a one loco, two loco, and you're okay. Many you're like times, you're not, you're yeah. not, you're you're fine, you know. And it's you're under the state law. You're not slurring your speech. You're not falling over. He's, you're not doing and, some nasty. Now things. he's
0: not by by comparison because. At a certain level, you uh, are no longer at this You're not held to the same standard and same law as uh, uh, you know somebody without OWIs. He's probably looking at uh, a, a .02 is his legal level uh, behind right, the wheel. Exactly. So, so even us, uh, he could smell a four loco and be over the limit. Uh, by by all standards, so my guess is either a two or three loco. So yep, either a half can, a three quarters can. And we do not, we don't advise anybody drink and drive at all. I mean, right. Ubers and lifts are so uh, cheap and so prevalent these days. Uh, taxi cabs in bigger cities are available. You can probably just stand outside of uh, a, a pub in Milwaukee or in Chicago, hail down a cab with just a you know a signal of your hand. So don't do it. You're going to end up with, you know, with, with, a, you know, a tin like this guy, uh, 10 of them. But to be honest, you know, this guy, he should have been smarter than to do something like this.
1: Oh, no. And I agree completely. And uh, yeah, it's, it's too bad, you know, because why did he have the, if he didn't have the open soda, he actually might have been okay at a two loco. You, you, you know, I, I don't recommend anyone drinking dry, but, you know, if you're under the legal limit, you're not unorderly you're not you know driving all over you know you're not endangering somebody then just get
0: home just yeah just go home don't interfere with uh law enforcement if they're they're doing their job and they're stopping traffic uh that's all they're doing they don't need you to come in and and uh help assist with anything whatsoever and also they don't care about your commentary and this guy's definitely not
1: a local drinker. Let's just throw it out there. Looking at this guy, he is a uh, hams.
0: Oh, uh, hams or like Milwaukee's best.
1: Yeah, he's one of those type of drinkers. So, yeah, and that's going to conclude um, our how many local you at. Now on to our interview, brother.
0: Yeah, baby.
1: So we're here with uh, Chris Kristen from uh, Second Salem Brewing Company in Whitewater, Wisconsin. How you doing? Not
2: too bad. How are you doing this morning?
1: Not too bad. So we're trying to find out a little history about the uh, brewery itself. When you guys got started, um, we're doing the episode today on the Second Salem of Whitewater, um, which is pretty cool tale in itself. But yeah, we're just trying to get a little information about the brewery, and uh, we'll let you go from there.
3: So uh, the plans for Second Salem started around 2013, maybe end of 2012. And uh, the brewery actually came to fruition in 2014 uh, in developmental stage, just like many breweries, because as as you know, they're not cheap to build. Um, So we took an existing bar area that we had and we used it for service while the kind of brewery and tap room was still under construction. And we consider our grand opening once everything was completed, uh, December 2014.
1: Awesome. And do you guys have any new beers coming out that you would like to share?
3: So we are in the process of trying to make a regularly every week or every other week on Saturday's beer releases. Currently, right now, last week we released our Oktoberfest. Tis the season. It's it's probably my favorite beer style.
0: Absolutely. So a style, traditional Martian style uh, a beer.
3: Uh, yesterday we released a sour blackberry and cucumber ale. So we're oh. kind of kind of going all over the place. I I like my traditional beers. I like my maltiness, I like my cleanness I like things like that. But I'm also enjoying some of these new experimental beers and these new styles that uh, the industry is starting to take us through.
1: Yeah, I, lo- I I just love how you guys kind of uh you know pay homage to like the Brayro beast and uh, you know the second Salem and all the weird cryptids and stuff we have in the area. Well, the reason we pay homage, and uh,
3: even though with Second Salem, witch witchcraft is our uh, main theme that that we go towards our local history in Whitewater, the story of the Beast Brewery Road is what inspired us to name the brewery Second Salem um, after Whitewater's uh, history. So that's kind of why we we still focus on that as our flagship flagship beer to pay homage to it. And um, you know, it's fortunately a few years ago in 2016 we were able to take third at the world beer cup with it so it's
0: one that we like to kind of put on the mantle and put out there that's awesome congratulations by the way that's huge thank
3: you I I refer to it as dumb luck (laughs) right yeah well
0: (laughs) yeah we're both familiar with the area Uh,
1: we grew up in Elkhorn when uh, we were kids when the Bray Road Beast was happening and uh, I lived right off Bray Road there Yep. and uh, it was uh, a pretty interesting time
0: yeah, you see some pretty uh, sketchy characters out there—not just the Bray Road beast, but uh, <laughs> just some pretty sketchy yeah. townies. <laughs> the, the, the the amount of people that come into the brewery on a regular
3: basis and tell us they they live down Bray Road, they grew up on Bray Road, they're from the Elkhorn side or the Burlington side. Um, I've had uh, uh, members of the Bray family, like Ben Bray, uh, play yeah. music live at the brewery before, so it's 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 fun and it's. Um, it's cool because even when we travel for beer events whether we're in washington nashville denver and we run into other people just in the brewery industry the beast of Bray road is known about throughout the u.s you know it's it's been on the discovery channel it's been on the history channel there are a couple really terrible b movies made after it
2: with (laughs)
1: awesome
3: posters so it's kind of neat that 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 we can be singled out for that as well
1: yeah, we were just. My dad owns a farm on Bowers Road, and they filmed that new uh, Small Town Monsters documentary at his farm, which was kind of cool.
3: Was that the one the, the Travel Channel did uh, about two years ago?
1: Yep, it was the one, yep. and they they filmed in my dad's barn. It's kind of like old, like creepy looking barn.
3: Yep, yep. I I I I watched the episode several times because, as you know, we were on it as well. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. exactly.
1: All right, so before we let you go, we always ask our guests um, how Wisconsin you are. They're just, you know, eight to ten questions, kind of things that Wisconsinites face, and uh, we just want to see if you've been through some of these things and uh, your your take on them. Okay, we'll go. All right, the first question. Have you ever tailgated at a Packers, Brewers, or Badgers game? All
0: of the above. There you go. The trifecta. The trifecta. Awesome. The per- perfect score.
1: <laughs> have you ever rocked a cheese hat? Yes. Awesome. I know we we were discussing how they made like the cheese bra and everything. I think yeah. I'm going to get a full armor set one yep. of these days.
3: Well, is that is that at a sporting event or is that for recreation? Oh, both. Oh.
0: Yes. <laughs> Anything you want. I,
1: I I don't know if my girlfriend will find me too attractive, but I'm still gonna I'm still gonna try it. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Um, have you ever had a true muddled old fashioned?
3: Every Friday.
0: Awesome. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, with your with your fish fry right or before the fish fry maybe.
3: Well, you know, I gotta I gotta I gotta make sure that uh, you know, since the brew pub has an alcohol license, we serve a lot of old fashioned. So I gotta make sure that the product is up to standard for the customer.
1: Oh, that's a great quality that's control delicious. job. <laughs>
3: yeah. It's tough but but
0: sometimes we we fight through it. Somebody's gotta do it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Have you ever not made it into work from a snowstorm? Unfortunately
3: the answer to that is no, because I pretty much have always been self-employed. My family, old restaurant, you know, old restaurants I grew up in. I ended up doing the restaurants. I've never really worked for somebody else, so
0: I've had no choice. I've always been there.
1: Yeah. Have you ever milked a cow?
0: Yes. Awesome, man! You're extra, hitting these extra points <laughs> for uh, for milking the cow manually. Yes. <laughs> yes. There it you was go.
3: Manually. It was manually.
0: Have you ever hit a deer? Oh, nice. All at the same time? Did you crush the whole no, family?
3: N- no, not, not at the same time. I think, uh, best of my knowledge, I know of two dead on site and two that got away.
0: So you didn't do the full
1: Manson murder of the deer yeah. family? He didn't go Rambo <laughs> no, style no, on it?
3: not the full. So, And, you know, the, the cool thing is if you do it right, you can gut it and tenderize it all in one shot. There you. Claim <laughs> it.
1: Have you ever been to a supper club, and uh, which one would you consider your favorite?
3: Um, I've been to many a supper club. Um, I'm going to go bias and I don't know if it's because it's my wife's favorite and we're always on a mini vacation, but I'm a big fan of the Ishnala outside Wisconsin. Ishnala, sure, sure.
1: That's yeah. like, that's like, I think that was rated number one recently. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I, haven't been
3: there in a, I haven't been there in a few years, but I always enjoy it up there.
1: So I'm sure you enjoy some beer brats. Is there a second Salem beer you recommend uh, putting your beer brat? Yes. All of them. All of them?
0: Yeah, get a yeah. get a well, variation. Absolutely, well, yeah. it,
3: it 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 really depends. I'm I'm a sucker for darker beer, so I like that like that that like Bray Road Amber. Um, if if it's a spicier pork, I'm going to tell you to go with an IPA. Um, yeah. but you know the lighter beers are definitely better. And for for crying out loud, do it right. You're supposed to boil the beer after you. You're supposed to boil the Bronson beer after you grill it, not before. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, because because then it pushes all the beer flavor out of it yep
1: that's that's just it we everyone on here kind of debates that question that's the way we do it it's it's a very hotly debated topic
0: and and i think that you're you're correct though uh Mm -hmm. you want to pull it off the the grill with that with that the grill marks and just a little bit of that and then finish it off in that beer and give it that that last little bit of flavor
3: yeah and then and then sheet you know like if you're at your sunday grill out or it's football season hopefully we have one you know you, yep. know, you get put out that crock pot and you let the beers just simmer in that you let the brats just simmer in that beer with some onions and peppers and stuff like that
0: and, yeah yeah and i'm, do I'm not, the same way and
3: do, not, and do not bring a bottle of ketchup out in front of me when you're eating a brat
0: oh no, no must, mustard is the only acceptable condiment in my opinion other than uh some uh sour something some sauerkraut absolutely
1: all right um bloody marys um how do you make yours
3: Spicy.
1: Same yeah. here. Yeah, we were just talking about what's that one chubby
0: tubs or whatever. No, Jimmy loves. <laughs> Jimmy loves. Jay loves.
3: Jimmy loves. Yeah. yeah, Jimmy
2: loves
0: is a good mix. I mean, that'll wreck your whole Sunday. and Probably part of your Monday.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not a big tomato juice fan, so I like them spicy if I'm going to have them. And I think the reason I'm not a big tomato juice fan is in college I had a more towards the adult side of college. Um, I had a good friend that if you went out with him on Sundays and you were hungover, you had to drink what he was drinking, and he drank Poor Man's Bloody Mary. So he was drinking Pabst and tomato juice. Once oh, together. my.
0: Yeah, and I'm not just, a fan of that. That uh, yeah, I think was, there's a beer company that makes one that's the Clamato and just beer. Oh, yeah. That's gross. Yeah, that's
3: the, that's the old school professional.
0: Yeah. Yuck. I haven't seen too many. I've seen some people in Elkhorn Rock that actually like they love. I'm like, dude, that's like my parents and and their friends did, and and that's what turned me off of it right away. Oh. It's gross. Yeah. Yep.
1: All right. Well, we got one more question before we let you go today. Um, besides Second Salem, is there another brewery tour you recommend going check it out?
3: Brewery tour? Yeah. Well, ours is pretty small. Um, I always I always de facto people to uh, um Lakefront lakefront's yeah. just got a fantastic brewery tour the people are always great sometimes russ will be out there giving the tour. sometimes jim will be out there giving the tour and it's just a great location it's got a lot of great history you know lakefront has done so much for our brewing industry in wisconsin it's just it's a great time i always love stopping
0: there yeah i know uh my first ever brewery tour at lakefront was uh russ Clish as yep. my as my tour guide which was absolutely fantastic you're correct it's uh it's a fun tour but also it's just uh it, it, it like you said lakefront has done such a, an amazing job to kind of set the the pathway for all of the the craft uh, independent breweries that are, are opening up and I love it well
3: you know and it's it's no offense to anybody who gives a brewery tour I mean they're they're, they're always good it's always great and informative but no matter where you go if you were to go to to craft third space um, lakefront you know where, wherever you go it, there's a difference between having one of your regular employees, no matter how good they are, give the tour, and then having the owner who started the brewery, because you're always going to get that much more detail. You're always going to get that much more enthusiasm. You're always going to get that that little bit extra that's going to
0: top it off. I agree, and and it and that's what sets it apart. You're absolutely correct. Is is having that 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 really personal touch. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I definitely I want to make it out to uh, to second sale. and I, I think that that would be. Uh, not only an amazing uh, even even if it is a small tour it would just be amazing to see uh, all of you guys as well
3: well the way we usually handle tours because we are a, a, a really small nano brewery is um, special events or if you catch me there while we're not brewing and i have the opportunity i'm than happy to take anybody through our little area and kind of tell tell us tell you the evolution of how we're, how we got to where we are and what our hopeful vision going forward is
1: yeah, I know I've been there multiple times, and actually I think I kind of know one of the brewers, I think they're kind of an assistant brewer, Uriah, he's a pretty good guy, yeah. and uh, we know yeah. him pretty well.
0: Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Uriah's actually from the Alcorn area as well. Yeah. Yep,
1: yeah, um, we knew him um, yeah. growing up with him, obviously skateboarding and yeah. stuff like that. Just playing <laughs> music and music
0: skateboarding, and, sure. But. Yeah, yeah, Uriah's a good guy. Awesome,
1: but yeah, we want to thank you for your time, and uh, we really appreciate it. We're uh, really excited to have you on our second Salem episode. It was kind of a must thing. I know it was kind of last minute, and we uh, we really appreciate it.
3: No worries, guys. I appreciate you reaching out to me.
2: All
0: right, thanks. We hope to catch you in the future. Yeah,
3: thank you, guys. Have a good one.
0: You too. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye. Yep. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we
1: recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify,
0: Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites, and we can read one at the end of every show. Follow us on social media, and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com.
1: i also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skibak for providing us with awesome podcast cover art, as well as the Dang It's for intro and outro music, and all of you for listening. As always...
0: Watch Watch out out for deer on on the way way home. home.